0: Antiquarian adventures in better Better reality. reality. Megaliths, memory and the passing of
1: the five seasons.
2: There's a brash immediacy in summer's season that fragments the moment. Sometimes it seems to make a William Burroughs-esque cut-up of our lives. Stonehenge, 1984. From the confines of a Surrey housing estate, there I found myself in the midst of an Iron Age village. Smoke hung like Manannan's mantle over the scene. The ambient grind of music and generator hum pulsed amidst the shanty town of tents and trucks and teepees and benders swirling around the campfires and makeshift stages. It was the summer solstice night and the sun's dormant sacrament stirred in sleep amidst the mayhem. Roy Harper, the Enid, Alan Stavell, the subhumans, the Cardiacs, here and now, inner city unit, all the soundtrack to my inner world played back to back. We knew nothing of the Battle of the Beanfield to come. We knew nothing of the winter. This moment was eternal. Hawkwind rumbled into the darkness and then again into the light, and we stumbled up the slope to the great stones. A harlequin-ragged crowd had already gathered. The white-clad druids at their core, and as we stood. Beneath the sarsens, the immediacy of the moment seemed to arc between the great trilithons. And then, my memory fails. From that moment, I recall nothing. The story ends. There's no democracy in memory. It chooses what it keeps and what forever remains hidden.
0: It's about uh, going to an island which could be Stonehenge
2: They just, this
3: it. whole thing here is just a total fuss. The cities
0: are going crazy, everybody's going crazy, and it's all because of this, they're trying to trying to impose a police state. Or we're free thinkers and we're going to stay that way not no matter what. They what. Whether they do. shoot
3: me or not, I don't care. Yeah. Can go for it. They just want to go. Just go quiet so the baby can be born and have a decent start in life, not surrounded by a thousand coppers with sticks and shields.
0: Are you still there, boy? <laughs>
3: For it is the doom of men that they In door an il ton Tomda da an a ha treveth ar glibo an glau. Me hallas sinig ha eckia, water bos tenis o teveth anis. An also a weith trigeth in mourna an devar peno. Andreifs en barn gan scam loen herewith geit agan so Ne a war so mora san benotho brasma. Oth the busy a bissia and in hindela than the gerenza. Agantia may hallowed asco the pope levenoli, and crescianske park hence, they are worthy and say, ha dagan comfort nins, dr Jesus Christ, agan Amen. Amen. O God, who dost shower upon us the abundance of thy mercy and cast upon the seed which we have sown in the ground at one time the heat of the sun, at another the moisture of the rain, so that it should thrive and shoot forth, and from it be grown finally the corn, the last ears of which we are now to be cut and lifted up with a cry of gladness after the custom of our forefathers we thank thee for these great blessings beseeching thee thus to continue to show to us thy loving kindness that our land may yield us this increase in all years as heretofore to thy glory and comfort through jesus christ our lord amen
0: my guinness, my guinness. Hundreds My guinness, Hurrah! 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 My Guinness! My Hurrah! 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 I haven't! I haven't! I haven't! What are you? What are you? What are you? A neck! A neck! A neck
1: As the crocodile stalks Captain Hook, so time seems to stalk us. And so, too, like the good captain, We too dread the moment when the ticking clock in its belly falls silent and we are consumed by its greatness, its suchness and its incomprehensible enormity. Maybe, like the great alchemist Newton, we take comfort in the thought that time is some kind of objective reality that we merely passively observe. It's as if we sit in a moving vehicle, watching the future rush towards us and the past recede into the distance in our rear-view mirror. Einstein showed us that time cannot exist in isolation from matter, and the quantum physicists took this a stage further and showed us that not only were space and time the same thing, but also neither were as real and objective as that which we had previously imagined. The clock tolls 13 and the crocodile begins to fold in on itself. The old mystery traditions told us that both space and time were the manifest process of the divine core of all things revealing itself in the universe. Whether it be through the passing of ages, from creation to the end of days, or the spiral dance of the seasons, the divine was rushing up through us like a wellspring, bringing space and time into being, a dance of creation and destruction of the entire universe imminent in each perfect moment. So maybe our concept of time is a conjuration of our imagination, To keep our sanity, we hammer great fence posts into our lives in order to marshal time into an orderly, predictable sequence. In times such as this, in the midst of the Covid pandemic, many of us have become isolated from our familiar temporal points of reference. Worldly time collapses and begins to fall away. This may have the potential for the bringing of alienation and madness. But it is also at times like this that what Mircea Iliade called sacred time has the potential to flood in. Sacred time, an eternal mythical reality that dwells ever in the shadows beyond our earthly consciousness of time. The rites, rituals and myths of our ancestors forge points of contact where these worlds collide. A space where all things can join upon an infinite point. As William Blake describes in A Vision of the Last Judgement, there exists within that eternal world the permanent realities of everything which we see reflected in this vegetable glass of nature.
2: When I recall the village of my birth, I see it in the autumn. A deep rust red as red as brick, as red as iron, as red as the blood spilt by Saxons, Romans and Celt upon the chalk. The sun thins to a watery light and the beech tree billows like the sound of a distant sea and the dark perfume of leaf-mould scent and the rank swathes of nettle and cow parsley colour the day. In the garden, I hollowed oversized marrows into lanterns and built bonfires, as if to reify ancient slumbering rituals marking the turning of the year. On bonfire night morn, I would always search the ashes of the last night's fire as if looking for some lost treasure, a firework, inadvertently pulled from the sky. It's ironic that that scent of autumn which first gave me the pang of nostalgia for that which I have never known. And sent me heading westwards, now gives me nostalgia for a memory of home. In a time not long past, my grandfather would have finished at the scythe and my grandmother would have gleaned the fields And their tools still hung in our old shed. But the orange glow of London on the northern horizon had long since banished such memories to the poverty of the past. Maybe when faced with the visceral decay of the land we can at least claim the luxury of being able to choose our memories. The cold is hard and the winter is hard work. There's never enough heat or light, and the ice brings a slamming down like Lucifer's fall into the moment. The winter solstice night is interminably long, and in its depths, the black light of the winter's goat brings little comfort. One solstice night, I saw a shaft of light piercing the chamber of Piskies Hall, Fugu, at Bazaine. One solstice night, squatting in an alcove in West Kennet Longborough, I muttered in an unfamiliar tongue and stumbled out to be greeted by an even more unfamiliar starry night. Once I sat through the endless cold of a winter solstice morn before the dawn on a great cyclopean banks of a hill fought in Dorset huddled together to keep the creeping cold at bay we waited and we waited and then like a naked flame or a fire ship in the sea the sun returned from advent to plow monday we eat drink and are merry and we brace ourselves shield armed, to the northern blasts but it's in the early spring when the spear-sharp winds swing down from the east, when the war of attrition really begins. In half, porth cough guaf; in guaf, porth cough half. In summer, remember winter. In winter, remember summer. For foul is fair, and fair is foul. We know of spring's inevitability, but each year it seems to take us by surprise. When it returns, it comes as a benediction, a miracle. The pragmatic part of our being, now delirious from the sleepless nights of winter, can now begin to sleep. As the autumn brings forth the harvest of the land, so now the spring brings forth the fruits of our inner worlds. And as the earth gives up its jealously guarded treasure, the dragon stirs. Pasto Obios, 1986. I'd read about this strange event in a book of folklore from the 1970s. No one seemed to have heard of it, and no one even seemed to know whether it still existed. We drove down in our old van to the car park at the top of the town. Britain was still in the grip of post Stonehenge convoy fever. Anyone sleeping in a vehicle was seen as a legitimate target. So we tucked ourselves away, out of sight. The morning came with the echo of the birds amid the sycamores above the church. And then we heard the pulse of the drums and the drone of the accordions, rising like the sun from the town below. Now, as then, I still begin to well up at that sound. The Obios comes spiralling out of the crowd, shining black skirts, disc, shamelessly mocking any sense of proportion or reality one would normally attribute to a creature. Like the surreal, multi formed, impossible creatures that the old medieval craftsmen graced our churches with. The os bursts through the thin veil between our waking world and our dreams. And every once in a while, when the old gods are willing, with this collapse in our sense of reason comes a corresponding collapse in our sense of time. Past, present and future fold into one and then it comes. A glimpse of that elusive but ever Present fifth season that lays beyond the summer, autumn, winter, and spring. It's there when the first footer passes over the threshold, when the falling apple is consumed. He knows paradox, or when the lovers hover at the zenith, when they leap the beltane fire. It's the maypole, around which the fields turn as they fade from brown to green and green to gold, then brown again. And it is only through that fifth nameless season, which is everything and nothing, that the other seasons may truly be known.
1: Is a quarry studio production made in a secret location in a quarry somewhere in west Cornwall. words music sounds and production steve patterson, patterson. patterson. engineering editing production and additional voice dave wisdom. 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 wisdom additional voice website design and brainwaves lisa wisdom, wisdom. If you want to support us, you can do so on patreon.com slash reality. For further information, look us up on stevepattersonantiquarian.com. We look forward to joining you for further antiquarian, antiquarian adventures in meta-reality. Media-reality. Media-reality.